returning there and finding your place. Uh, just a reminder, we are going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we've been doing that really since April, so we're, um, but we're in the, after Mark chapter 8, we'll be halfway done. So we're getting there. Um, but uh, thank you for staying with me on this journey. I know it's a longer uh, sermon series, but I think it's very helpful to go through this. Uh, but just to bring us a little bit back up to speed, um, at the end of chapter number 7, uh, chapter 7 really kind of ended with Jesus blessing the faith of the Syrophoenician woman uh, by casting out the demon of her daughter, and that's found in verses 24 down through verse number 30. And then in, in, in the last little uh, passage, last time we looked at how Jesus healed the man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and uh, those there concluded rightfully that Jesus doeth all things well. You remember that? And how he does indeed do all things well in all of our lives, even things that we may not understand, we may not like at the time, but we need to understand that Jesus indeed does all things well. And with that, let's read uh, chapter number 8, verses 1 through 9. And the Bible says this, In those days, the multitude being very great, and have nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000. And he sent them, sent them away. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we realize that it is infallible, it is inerrant, it's perfect, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. And Lord, we thank you for this passage of scripture. And I pray, Lord you would use this today to speak to our hearts. Help me, Lord, to be faithful to preach your word and not my own. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross and help me to decrease so that you might be able to increase. And Lord, I pray that ultimately as you're lifted up, that men and women would be drawn closer to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you've been with us in this series for any length of time here and thought, you know, doesn't this sound familiar? A pastor, are you just re-preaching a sermon that you've already preached? That would be kind of tempting to do, wouldn't it? Um, the thing is, yes and no is the answer. Yes, this should sound a little familiar, this passage anyway. And, uh, but no, I'm not re-preaching the same sermon. You see, back in Mark chapter number 6, so just two chapters before, Jesus, remember, fed the 5,000. 
And now Jesus seemingly repeats this miracle. So a, a miracle that took place just two chapters ago, he's now doing something very similar. Uh, and why does he do that? Now, how many of you in school needed to be taught the same thing a couple times? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Uh, my hand is up if it's like more than a couple times. I needed to get the lesson multiple times. I had the privilege when I was in eighth grade, um, I was in school and uh, I got placed into not the highest level of math that was available. I got put into the kind of intermediate math class. And that class was huge. There was so many kids in there. And uh, I was in that class for a couple weeks and took some tests and did really well on them. And they realized that this class was way too big uh, for the, they, they didn't really need to have all these many kids in there. So they took the kids that did really well and pushed them into algebra as an eighth grade kid, as an eighth grade, in eighth grade. So I remember coming into algebra class about two weeks into the school year, and the teacher has not, I, not numbers on the chalkboard, there were letters on the chalkboard. I'm like, I'm in the wrong class. I'm supposed to be in math class. There's supposed to be numbers. But it was like X equals Y. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Where's the numbers? And, uh, and I remember looking at that. Well, the rest of eighth grade was a real, I was, I was drowning in math. I really struggled. Well, guess what? I didn't learn the lesson the first time. So in ninth grade, I got to repeat it. I got to go through algebra again, and uh, I'm kind of glad I did because algebra became very easy to me. It was like a cakewalk that, that ninth grade year. It kind of clicked, and I got the hang of it very quickly. Well, here Jesus repeats the same lessons, and he repeats the class and does the same miracle, but with a different number of people, and uh, a few of the circumstances are a tad different. Now... The title of the message today is More Leftovers, and uh, I should have probably put another O in more so that it would kind of uh, impact us a little bit more here in more, uh, but, um, but here's the deal. This, this miracle also ended with some leftovers, and uh, we're about ready to head into uh, the leftover week of the year, uh, right, with Thanksgiving, and one of the blessings of Thanksgiving is not just the meal, but the meal after the meal, right? Uh, the, the, the leftovers. And I'm not a big leftovers guy. Typically, when I go to a restaurant, if I can't eat the meal, they'll say, do you want a box for that? I'm like, not really. Uh, because I don't really like to heat things up and eat it afterwards. But my wife always says, yes, we do want a box so that the kids can eat this. And uh, I'll let them eat that. Um, I'm not a big leftovers guy, except for around Thanksgiving. That's when I kind of start my leftover journey. And then it ends after Thanksgiving, uh, just after the Thanksgiving leftovers are over. Um, and I, I, I do love the turkey sandwiches afterwards. I do love the turkey soup. I especially love the leftover desserts. Amen? Okay, thank you. Uh, I knew I'd get maybe an amen out of that one there. Um, so as we get ready to head into this leftover, the greatest leftover week of the year. I think it's appropriate that we are here in Mark chapter number eight, where we see Jesus once again feeding a large group of people and having leftover, leftovers afterwards. So what can we learn from this second miracle meal 
that again yielded more leftovers. Well, first let's notice here as we walk through this passage, uh, number one here that Jesus displayed love and mercy. Jesus uh, once again displaying love and mercy. In verse number one it says, In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude. Uh, that word compassion gives the idea of love and mercy, where he is concerned about the needs of those who he's ministering unto. And so right from the get-go in this passage, here we see the love, compassion, and mercy that the Lord Jesus had for those he ministered to. He cared enough Again, yes, he was concerned about teaching them spiritual truths, but he also uh, was concerned about the other aspects of their lives, the practical aspects of their lives, such as their hunger. Uh, they, would, they, they were with him for three days, he says in verse number two. They have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So I imagine that they brought food with them, brought some, uh, you know, they probably packed some food as they went to go out to see Jesus and hear him speak and to see him work and do the things that he did. And, uh, but they've been with him three days, and so no doubt all the food supply was uh, completely depleted, and, and uh, now they're hungry, and Jesus recognizes this and sees this, knows that they have a need, and has compassion on them regarding that need. I'm thankful this morning that our God understands the practical aspects. Certainly he's concerned about the big things in our lives, but he also cares about the little things as well. Right? Uh, Psalm 86 and verse number 5. Listen to a few of these verses here from the book of Psalms regarding God's love and compassion. Psalm 86 and verse 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and mercy that the Lord Jesus... I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I, I got messed up here. That's not in the, uh, the verse. Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous, plenteous in mercy and truth. So there's plenty of mercy, there's plenty of truth, and he's full of compassion. Psalm 111, verse 4, 4 says, He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalm 112, verse 4 so just a chapter later, same verse says, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Psalm 145 and verse number 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Psalm 136. There are 26 verses in that chapter. Each one of those verses ends with the statement, the Bible says this, um, for his mercy endureth forever. 26 times it says that in that chapter. Once in every verse. And so we see God's love and compassion declared in the scriptures and now displayed here as in, in, in Jesus coming to this multitude and, and caring about not just the big needs again, but uh, even the practical needs of the fact that there's a whole bunch of people here who are hungry and they need to eat. He recognizes that, and by the way, he does that not just with them, he does that with us too. He cares and knows what's going on in our life. I like what Matthew chapter 6 and verse Jesus said in Matthew 6, 32, where he said, For all these things do the Gentiles seek, and 
What he's referring to is the food, raiment, and, um, and our stature, you know, our, our physical life. You know, oh, I'm so worried about what I'm going to eat. I'm so worried about uh, how all my needs are going to be met. And Jesus said, look, all these things do the Gentiles seek. They're, they don't know the Lord. They don't know God. And as a result, they're, they're just so worried about all those things. But then he says this, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. See, the Lord knows that we have needs in our lives regarding uh, work, regarding our families, regarding uh, just the provision for life. God knows our needs. And he knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And so he says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So instead of worrying about all those things, just remember he knows and you focus on seeking him first and he'll take care of all those needs. And so what I'm saying here this morning is that just as the Lord Jesus cared about the physical hunger of the multitude here in Mark chapter number eight, he also cares about the situation that you are in right now in your life. Big or small, serious or not that big of a deal. He cares and he knows. Um, he knows and cares about your financial difficulty that perhaps some of you are going through. He knows and cares about your health issue that you are dealing with. He knows and cares about a sick loved one. He knows and cares about the stress you are under at work. He knows and cares about the challenges you face at school. He knows and He cares about the strained relationship in your life. He knows and He cares about the grief. Some of you will go through this holiday season for the first time without a loved one because they passed away. He knows and He cares. He knows and He cares about the heartache you are going through at this very moment. He knows and praise the Lord, He cares. So we see Jesus once again displaying His matchless love and enduring mercy here in uh, verses 1 through 3, where he says, I have compassion on the multitude, because they had now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For those who've ever fasted, you know the first, after a couple days, you start kind of getting a little weak. You kind of start feeling that, and, and Jesus understands that. And so he wants to meet their need. And so we see uh, Jesus displaying his love and his mercy. But then we see, not only that, we also see the disciples showing a lack of memory. Verse number four, they, the disciples, as Jesus makes this comment, hey, I've got compassion, we've got to feed them. And the disciples answer in verse number four with these words, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? In other words, how in the world are we going to be able to meet their needs with just a little bit of bread here in the wilderness? Now, we've been learning here in, Mark, Mark, in, in Mark's gospel that the disciples were pretty good at something. They were pretty good at forgetting. <laughs> uh, their memory was uh, lacking, to say the least. Because you see, just a short time ago, just two chapters ago, in Mark chapter number 6, Jesus took care of the multitudes by feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. 
with just a few barley loaves, which were the, not big, large, you know, footlongs from Subway, which I had one this week, and they were, it was pretty good. <laughs> um, it was a barley, small barley loaf, and then uh, a couple of fish. That was it. And the Lord was able to feed that, the, the, and the disciples completely forgot that that just happened not long ago. And now they're facing less people. They have less people, 4,000. I mean, still, granted, it's a large group of people. Uh, but, and they had even actually more resources. They had seven loaves instead of just five small barley loaves. So now they have a little bit more resources, less people, and yet they completely forget what Jesus did just two chapters before. Sadly, the disciples weren't the only ones to forget about what God had done in the past. The nation of Israel was constantly forgetting the Lord and His great miracle-working power in their lives. Psalm 78 and verse number 11 sadly says this about the nation of Israel, and forgot His works and His wonders that He hath showed them. I mean, if there's ever a nation that should not forget the miracle-working power of God, it's the nation of Israel. I mean, no nation has seen the miracle-working power like the nation of Israel. I mean, America, yeah, we've been mildly blessed of God and praise the Lord for it, but, but how God worked and, and protected and provided for the nation of Israel throughout history is nothing short of amazing, and, and it was all God doing that, well... Even people like that who experienced the miracle-working power, the Bible says, forget his works and his wonders that he hath showed them. They lacked spiritual memory, the nation of Israel did, and so did these disciples. How sad. Uh, verse number 5. Uh, look here in verse number 5 of Mark chapter 8. So they, they make this comment in verse 4, and Jesus is going, I, I mean, at least if I were in Jesus' sandals, this is what I'd be thinking. Are you serious? Do you not remember what happened just two chapters ago? Seriously? Let me help jog your memory. And so he asks them this question in verse number five. How many loaves have ye? Thinking, does this ring a bell? Like, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I can bring you back to... Chapter 6 a little bit. Maybe if I ask you this question, that'll, that'll be going. Surely one of the 12 will go, hey, actually, you know what? We've got Jesus here. We don't have to worry about it. He can do it. But instead, they simply responded with this one word, seven. <laughs> We've got seven loaves. How sad. I read about a couple in their 90s who were both having trouble remembering things. Uh, during a checkup, the doctor uh, told them that while they're physically okay, they might want to start writing down some things to help them remember. They thought, you know, you guys are in actually really great health for being in your 90s, but you may want to start writing things down so they don't forget. So later that night, while watching TV, the old man gets up from his chair and he says to his wife, hey, while I'm up, uh, while I'm in the kitchen, do you want anything? And she said, yeah, will you get me a bowl of ice cream? I said, sure. And then she said, well, don't you think you should write it down so you can remember it? 
No, I can remember it, he assures her. Well, okay, well then I'd like some strawberries on top too. And maybe you should write that down so as to not forget it. And he says, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries? Got it. And she said, well, I'd also like whipped cream. And, I, and I'm certain you'll forget that. So can you please write it down? And irritated, he says, I don't need to write it down. I can remember it. I, I got it. Ice cream with strawberries and whipped cream. I got it. Well, then he toddles into the kitchen. After about 20 minutes, the old man returns from the kitchen and hands his wife a plate of bacon and eggs. <laughs> she stares at the plate for a moment. She asks, where's my toast? <laughs> Look, we all have lapses of memory from time to time, especially as we get older. But as believers, we need to develop a good spiritual memory. Again, I'm also blown away with how fast these disciples forgot. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that long ago that Jesus fed the 5,000. It's kind of like this conversation that I read about between a doctor and his patient. The patient said, doctor, I'm starting to forget things. Doctor said, I understand. The patient said, uh, I'm sorry, understand what? See, already forgot. Already forgot. And it's amazing how fast... You and I can forget what the Lord did in the past as well. Uh, this is why the psalmist said in Psalm 77 in verse 11, he said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. In other words, he determined, he resolved to remember what God had done, to have a good spiritual memory. May the Lord help us to remember the goodness of God in the past uh, so that we can have faith in the present, to remember the mighty works of God yesterday, so as to help us to trust Him today. A lot of times what happens is God brings us out of a situation, and we are so thankful and so amazed at who God is and what He can do. And then just a short time later, we'll face another trial, another difficulty, and we kind of go, oh, God, where are you? How am I going to get through this one? And God's over here going, hello, don't you remember what I did two weeks ago? I haven't changed, and I never will. I am the same miracle-working God that parted the Red Sea, that uh, brought manna to the children of Israel, that uh, did all kinds of amazing miracles in the Word of God. I'm the same God today, and I can see you through your, your trial and difficulty right now. So may the Lord help us to develop a good spiritual memory. These disciples, they showed and displayed a lack of memory. And so we see the Lord's love and mercy, and then we see the disciples' lack of memory. But then let's turn our attention to verse number 6 and see that Jesus pointed to a later meal. To a later meal. Verse number 6, and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. Uh, that was probably a smart move with 4,000 people. Everybody be seated as, so as to not have this mass, um, you know, crowd coming at him for food. Like, yeah, I'm hungry. I could use some of that. Imagine there was teenagers there too, teenage boys. Yeah, sit down. <laughs> we'll get the food to you. Um, you, we'll, you. You be seated. There's some wisdom in that. So he commanded the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, and break, 
and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. Mark chapter number 6, as he fed the 5,000, he did the same exact thing. He took the bread. He broke it. He blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he would later do the same thing in Mark chapter number 14, verse 22, as Jesus met with his disciples there in the upper room just hours before he was crucified. He gets them together, and he gets some bread. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And he gives to them. And he says to them in Mark 14, 22, Take, eat. This is my body. I can't help but think that when Jesus met with his disciples the night before he was crucified and broke bread and passed the cup, that their minds, as he is doing the same things that he did in Mark 6 and Mark 8, and now as they're in the upper room, can't help but think they go, wait a minute, we've seen this before. We've seen him do this a couple times in the past where he's taken bread, he's blessed it, he's thanked God for it, he breaks it, and he gives it to us. But this time, he was saying, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. Jesus declared in John chapter number 6 that he is the bread of life. And so really in breaking the bread there in the desert in Mark chapter 6 and Mark in the wilderness in Mark chapter number 8, he was saying that he himself, his body, would be broken soon. And I will just give you a spoiler alert, although most of us already know, his body was indeed broken. As he was tortured and beaten, He was scourged with a cat of nine tails. He was hit. He had a crown of thorns pounded unto his scalp. He was nailed to the cross. And the Bible says in Isaiah 52 and verse number 14 that his visage was so marred more than any man. In other words, you could hardly tell he was even a man because of how badly he was beaten and torn apart. His body was broken. It was on that cross that Jesus died for us and paid the price for our sin once and for all. This past week, within the last few days, uh, there were two significant situations in our country that impacted the future of two men. And most of us are aware of both of them. On Thursday, our governor here in Oklahoma, Governor Stitt, spared the life of high-profile death row inmate Julius Jones just hours before he was to be executed by lethal injection. Then on Friday, a young man named Kyle Rittenhouse was declared not guilty on all charges in the much-publicized trial regarding his self-defense. Now, regardless of how you feel about either of those cases... Each of them reminds us of why Jesus allowed his body to be broken for us. You see, he died so that we would be spared from the judgment that we all deserved. And in our case, we were as guilty as could be, but because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, God declares those who believe in him, he declares them not guilty on all counts. 
He justified us. Praise be to God for His love and mercy. And here, as He breaks this bread, He's pointing to a future meal that He would have with the disciples where He would explain what He was trying to do here and saying, look, my body's going to be broken for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you so that you can be justified and declared not guilty. Look, again, I don't know whether you feel like either one of these men were guilty. It doesn't really matter. But the truth of the matter is the Bible declares all of us guilty before God. All of us are. I mean, you say, well, I'm not as bad of a sinner as you, Pastor. That's probably true. But it doesn't really matter how you compare with me or how we compare with one another. No, how do we compare with the holy God? And we all fall short of God's glory, every single one of us. And we're all guilty before God. But guess what? In Christ, we can be declared not guilty and we can be set free. Praise the Lord. So we see that Jesus was pointing to a later meal where he would declare that his body would be broken for them and for us. And while I kind of doubt the disciples understood that's what he was doing here in Mark chapter number 8, perhaps later they did. And for us, as we take communion here in just a few minutes as a church family, uh, let us remember the fact that his body was indeed broken for us and that he shed his royal sinless blood for us that our sins could be forgiven and we could be spared from the judgment that we all deserved. The last Sunday, Brother Decker preached about hell. All of us, that's what we deserve. Every one of us. And because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, we don't have to experience that judgment. Praise the Lord. He did all that so we could be spared and declared not guilty. And lastly here, very quickly, I do want us to look at this last thought here. And this is this. There were leftovers for the men. There were leftovers for the men. In verse number 8, the Bible says this, So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Seven baskets full. How many baskets in Mark chapter 6? The 5,000? Anybody remember? Twelve, one for each of the disciples, right? As a souvenir, as a reminder of God's uh, wonderful power. Uh, Seven here, I guess we could say, number of completion. Uh, One Bible scholar pointed out that the word basket used in Mark 6 and Mark chapter number 8, it was a a different Greek word. The one in Mark 6 was a little little basket, I don't know, uh, maybe a little bigger than this. But in Mark chapter 8, when he says the word basket, it was not referring to a little basket, but a big basket, a big, like, hamper-type basket. And uh, my wife, uh, I'll just share this super fast. This is a little inside uh, information to our family. We had, uh, my wife just recently got new hampers for our family, laundry hampers. And she got a really big one for the the two boys who live upstairs. That was a mistake. 
Because what happens is they put the clothes in there, then they stuff the clothes in there, stuff the clothes in there, pile the clothes on there, and, and, then, and then when they stop doing that, that should be a sign for most normal human beings to take the laundry down to the laundry room. But we don't have normal human beings as children. <laughs> and so they, they continue to pile a new pile next to the laundry hamper after that one's full. Um, but it's huge, and it's heavy, and it would take, it's like four or five loads worth of, of laundry. Okay, that's the type of hamper that were leftovers. Uh, when Jesus says, when Mark says here, uh, there was seven, there was left seven baskets. And so we see here that there was plenty of bread to go around and not just enough bread to go around, but more than enough to the point that there were leftovers. Here's the point. Jesus is the bread of life, is he not? And as he's, his body's broken and it's given to all of us, he is more than enough to fill us and to meet our need. And then some, there's leftovers. So he is enough. He is sufficient and not just sufficient, more than sufficient. He is enough to save us from our sins. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse number 2, the Bible says, And he is the propitiation for our sins. So in other words, he is enough to forgive me of all of my sins. And I'm thankful for that. But the rest of the verse says, But not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, as Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed, that, that payment was enough to forgive me of all my sins, but also not just for mine only, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, he's enough. His love is enough. His grace is enough. His strength is enough for me. Um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19, Paul says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He is enough, but he's more than he, he's also more than enough. No wonder David said this in Psalm 23 and verse number five, my cup runneth over. He said, Lord, you are enough, but you're more than enough. There's you're more than sufficient. There's leftovers. You see, this, this chair, here's, a, here's just a, a little silly illustration here, but this chair is sufficient to hold me up. But guess what? This, this chair is more than enough. It's more than sufficient to hold me up. It's also sufficient enough to hold somebody else up. So Luke, go ahead and come on up here. You can go ahead and sit on my lap. It's also enough for him, too. Now, this is where the illustration breaks down, and we're going to stop the illustration, okay? Because eventually this chair will give out. Doesn't he? Okay, you can be seated, man. Who feeds you? Good night. 
He's more than enough. Uh, Luke chapter number 6 and verse 38, give. And the Bible says, And it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God gives to us more than we give to Him, and more than enough. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now unto Him that is able to do, listen to these words, exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He is more than enough to meet your needs, my friend. And since He is more than enough, we can trust Him. No need to fear. No need to panic, worry, or fret. Why? Because he is more than sufficient. He is more than enough. One thing about leftovers is that while I've been filled, there is more leftover for you. He's enough for me, praise the Lord, but actually he's more than enough for me, and there's plenty left over to fill you too. Notice in verse number 8, it says, They did eat and were filled. Like they had like, please, no more. Like I cannot. You ever been there? Hopefully we'll all be there on Thursday, right? <laughs> like no more. I can't eat another, another pie. I've already had three pies. I can't eat another pie. Uh, there, there was plenty left over to give to others. So this holiday season, can I encourage us this morning to share not just our Thanksgiving leftovers with others, but let's share the Lord with others as well because, yes, He's enough for me, but He's also enough for you and for my family that I'll be spending time with. And perhaps some friends, co-workers. He's enough for them too. Let's not keep all this and hoard it to ourselves. Let's share these leftovers. And may it cause us to trust Him with what we're going through. So praise the Lord for His great love and never-ending mercy. May we develop a good, lasting spiritual memory and not forget the blessings of God in our lives. Let's be thankful this morning that He allowed His body to be broken and His blood to be shed, all in order to spare us from everlasting judgment. And then another thing to be thankful for this Thanksgiving season is that He is more than enough. He's more than able to handle whatever we're going through. There's plenty of His love, His mercy, His grace, and provision to go around. So let's trust Him, and then let's share Him with others. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank You for this second miracle, the second miracle meal that produced more leftovers. And Lord, tremendous lessons that we can learn from this passage. I pray, Lord, we would not be soon... We would not soon forget what we hear today. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our lives. Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you know and you care about what we're going through and you have love and compassion for us. Lord, thank you that uh, you have done great things in the past and help us to not forget what you have done in the past. Help us to have a good spiritual memory so that we can continue growing in our faith and, and not be dismayed whenever another trial comes our way. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you did point to a future meal, that you would be there in the upper room with your disciples, pointing to the fact that your body would be broken for us. Thank you that you're willing to do that. And then, Lord, 
thank you that you are more than enough. Help us to trust you. And Lord, I pray you give us opportunities this holiday season, Lord, to share you with others. And to not just hoard you for ourselves, but to make sure that we're giving the truth of the gospel out to others. Thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to begin playing right now. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I'm going to let you have a time of prayer and decision, perhaps, as the Lord has spoken to your heart there in your seat. And uh, we'll sing a verse of, verse of this, and uh, then we'll uh, take communion together. This is an opportunity for you to make sure you're right with God, make sure you're right with one another. I'll be quiet and let you have a time of prayer as she plays. Thank you. 